Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time. I'm Rowan Ellis. And I'm Jazza John. And we're back after a short amount of time. Only two years with another episode. Do you want to tell them why, Jazza? No, it's not my fault. Okay, well, that's a lie. Each episode, we discuss a movie from a different genre of cinema. (laughs) This episode's genre is... Queer Queer Biopic! Intriguing. So coordinated. And we are so excited for the film we're talking about this time. It is the 2014 Clash of Cultures historical dramedy Pride. Also, fun fact, one of Rowan's favourite films. It is. But seeing Mm -hmm. as it's been a while, we thought we should reintroduce our new look podcast and set some expectations. Love and expectations, set. That sounded very official. (laughs) We're being incredibly official. Don't take this away from us. We're going to be coming at you with bi-weekly episodes now, which... Knowing our track record is ambitious, but honestly, we really are. But now we have the backing of Multitude, the podcast collective that we have just joined. So Multitude's mission is to create shows about subjects that we, because yes, we are part of a we now, love. From mythology to basketball to Dungeons and Dragons to queer movies and build thoughtful and welcoming communities around them you can check them out at multitude.productions and on all the socials at multitude shows gotta get that good seo so we're very 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 excited to get back into this but as as is customary for us to ask every episode rowan what's the gayest thing you've done recently So essentially, Jazza, I was in the park and a girl came up to me and asked me if I knew where the softball field was. And I think that's pretty gay because I can only, I assumed that she had seen me gone, that's a lesbian and been like, she'll know where the Mm. softball field is. So I thinking, oh, this girl wants to know where the softball field is. We have an understanding that softball is a gay sport. Joked about the fact like, oh, you know, I am a lesbian, but I don't know where it is. And she, I've never seen a girl look more mortified in my entire life. She thought I, she'd like gravely insulted me. And then I had to be like, no, no, I'm like, and I looked down at myself and I was like, I'm clearly dressed as a lesbian like I don't know what like this isn't offending me and it got very awkward and so she left and then had to come back five minutes later because she hadn't found someone else who knew and was like I'm sorry I do actually need to find it can I borrow your phone and it was it was (laughs) so funny but I was like how how can you be looking for a softball field and not be like with it and the lesbian banter I assumed it would be some kind of like gay female cockney rhyming slang or something along those lines like if I had been there in the moment i'd have assumed it was some kind of really elaborate flirting that only queer women do no sadly it was just a panic straight (laughs) and you and you only increased the panic i know Uh, how about you jazza what was the gayest thing you've done since we recorded last episode so there's only kind of like uh there's only really two gay things that i ever talk about that Mm -hmm. i've um, done these episodes and any previous listeners to other episodes that we have done will know that it is drag or rowing with the gay rowing team. Um, and this time it is 
uh, drag. So went down and like restrictions are lifting in the UK and we can go out question mark so i went down to bournemouth to see my lovely little drag fam nova and olympia my my mother and long-suffering aunt and nova beat my face made me look passable um i ended up spending oh i accidentally shoplifted primark because my cards didn't go through (gasps) i did a last minute run to get like some necessities for polly that's who i am in drag by the way her name's polly tickle the name is better than the presentation i'll be completely honest but probably the gayest thing is that i have been suffering for the past like week and a half since i went down and did that big lovely soiree with cuts along my torso from where i tied my corset too tight that's pretty gay. Oh, those are rough. Okay, um, for the for listeners at home, Jazza mm-hmm. just flashed me a little bit of nipple um, as he showed me his side. It was just a little bit of hairy just chest. Just a little you know? bit of hairy chest. Um, very appreciated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Cool. So first, we're going to give you a short introduction to the history that forms the backdrop of Pride, as well as how the film came to be made and marketed. We will then be splitting the film into three acts, because if GCSE English has taught us anything, it's that things come in threes. And finally, we'll give the movie our very special gay ratings as always. A heads up, we are going to be spoiling all of this movie. So this is for people who have seen the movie or don't care about the movie being spoiled. All right, we've warned you. But you should see this movie. So without further ado, let's all get on the bus to the picket line and talk about Pride. So Pride is explicitly a gay movie, otherwise we wouldn't be talking about it. But it is also kind of like a historical piece about one of the longest standing and most impactful pieces of workers uniting and protesting in history. And that is the 1984 to 85 UK miners strike, which saw many pits, uh, many workers in coal mining pits across the United Kingdom, uh, Scotland, Wales and England primarily, where they ended up um, uh, deciding to go on strike, not going to work and really putting themselves at loggerheads and at odds with the Conservative government headed by the notorious... Maggie T, who is, for those who are uninitiated, Margaret Thatcher. Yes, a classic backdrop to a (laughs) fun-filled comedy movie, just the Mm -hmm. 1980s minor strike. Yeah, 100%. So it was violent. There were deaths during the strike as well. Some of the uh, characteristics of the strikes are really well documented in this movie. A couple that I'd like to talk about are the busing in of police from different parts Mm. of the UK. This movie really says a cab with its full chest. I will say that. (laughs) Where um, people who were not connected to the local communities were there policing the pickets. The police were there to ensure that those workers that chose to ignore the strike or needed to go into work because of their needing to earn money and support their families um, so that they were able to cross the picket lines. But obviously, um, because of the nature of the political situation at the time, that often turned into violence. And it is important that we also kind of like, this is about people who chose to strike but this was a year-long strike where the unions 
ended up having to support their workers for um, an incredibly long time through kind of like the, the collective action of the union and collective donations from other unions. That eventually ran out. And there are certain parts of this movie where we see the collection of food so that the families of miners who choose to not go into work um, didn't actively starve. And this was stuff that was spoken about in Parliament a lot at the time. The Conservative government were actively trying to... It was never an explicit policy, obviously, to starve out the families of those who were choosing to go on strike to protest the closing of the coal mines. But it was uh, certainly a consequence of the lowering of benefits that people were able to claim, the increasing of red tape around the collection of benefits if you were part of a union, for example. And there were really real, real consequences to the lives of so many of the people who were part of these communities that had already been hugely decimated. So at the point of this movie in 1984, um, South Wales, for example, had already seen an 80% reduction in the number of people working in coal mines. And then by 2015, there were uh, no more coal mines functioning in the United Kingdom. There were, I think, 172 at the beginning of the of the strike in 1984. I've talked a lot about kind of like the unions and the workers' rights and this is deliberately juxtaposed and kind of like put alongside the queer liberation movement in the 1980s, which were also a huge part of the family values and, um, oh, what people think of the children, social conservatism that was rife, not only in the UK, but around the world. Hey, America, have you heard of Ronald Reagan? Have you heard of Anita Bryant? Have you heard oh, of God. all those lovely people? <laughs> and it was at this time that HIV was just starting to kind of like really pick up in the public consciousness. We are shown in this film a really chilling advert that was broadcast across the UK. It's very famous. It's of a tombstone that just says AIDS over the front of it. That was actually broadcast a few years after the miners' strike, but will allow it for storytelling purposes. This film tells the story of those two repressed groups in the 1980s finding common ground despite their differences to rise up against an antagonistic figure like Thatcher. That was very well summarised. That's a lot of information. I do wonder while I, when I watch this movie how much people who aren't from the UK know because I feel like we, a lot of people in the UK might not know a ton of stuff admittedly but I feel like we're more likely to know about about Thatcher and the miners' strike. You and... know there was a miners' strike, right? At the very least, you know that yes, that was a really yes, big deal. Yeah, definitely. And I really, really would be interested to know if there is anyone out there listening who's from another country who would like to shed light on whether this was something you knew anything about before watching the movie, please let us know because I would love to hear about it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about more of the kind of movie history and the movie genre. So we've picked biopic this time. Some of the questions that you normally think about when you think about biopics is like, how was this made? How did how did people find out about this particular story? How do you do the real people justice? Are you trying to do it almost documentary style, very realistic, like, or are you going to try and embellish it? 
And how do you choose what to change? So for this film, really interestingly, the the writer was sort of the one who ended up getting it made. So that is Stephen Beresford. He basically heard about this story in the mid 90s and it kind of was talked about as a story that went around the London queer scene at the time, but no one really knew if it was true or not. It was it was almost this kind of like game of telephone where people were like, I mean, that would be amazing if it was true, mm. but they weren't really sure if it was. But he was talking to someone about, a conversation that I feel like is like a conversation as old as time in the queer community. Are we political enough? Should we be more political? Like all this kind of stuff. And they were also talking about the miners. And he basically was like, well, why should I support the miners? They would never support me. And this story came up from a friend who had heard it. He said it completely changed his outlook on things. And so in 2010, he had a meeting with the producer, David Livingston, who basically asked at the end of this meeting, you know, is there a story that you're burning to write? And he basically went, there's one, there is one story, but it will never get made. And he said afterwards, like, you know, if you drop that in a pitch, you only get one chance to say that in your career to someone and mean it. Mm. And he basically just told him the story. And he said by the end, like, David was almost in tears like his eyes were like welling up and it was like cool we we're gonna do this together and it was difficult to persuade people to make it but they actually found this half hour documentary that lgsm had made for the miners called all out dancing in delice which was <laughs> basically a, a, an amateur documentary so it didn't have like anyone's names in it it didn't have anything like that but it was footage of like everyone that basically everyone we see in this movie mm. and in the credits, they found this really uncommon name that was Reggie's name. And they contacted him on Facebook and basically were like, LGSM, this was a thing, right? And he introduced them to everyone else. And so pretty much everyone who is in this, a real person who was in this movie was not necessarily involved, but was like informed it was happening. And they all were unbelievably supported at the the screening they did. The first screening, they invited all of them. And the real die basically like asked to speak and gave this like, emotional really moving beautiful speech where he wanted to thank them and he basically said none of us believe this story would see the light of day it's a document for the future and it exists for all time and then they went for a piss up <laughs> of course they did oh that's so beautiful which is so cute and like for example like ray and reggie are still together like they're the couple who get together in mm. the movie and all that like they they joined lgsm as a thing to do as a couple and they're still together now <laughs> So this is this is a really interesting biopic, right? Because it's not about famous figures. It's not, you know, someone that the audience will be looking at the accent or the mannerisms to see whether it's a good biopic or not. So they had a lot more freedom. The real life Jonathan has basically said it's about 70% true, 30% invention. So like Mark, for example. That's in, still a lot of it's, truth. It's though. a lot of truth yeah. to it. Like Mark, for example, in real life was the one who said that they should start raising money for the miners. He was this like young, energetic, young activist who was very mm. kind of like into left wing politics. But like tiny things changed in terms of there was a phone call in the movie and it was a letter that they wrote in the actual reality to the mining community they played up the clash of cultures a bit more so the village had had a lot of visitors like everything from they said like uh, swedish euro communists to maoists like tons of people had come in so at that point they weren't that like swedish euro communists i know i love that shit incredible so basically they kind of decided and they were very open from the beginning look we're going to be in service of the themes of the story of the messages we're going to go as close as possible to 
to your experiences. But like, for example, they invented the character of Joe or Bromley as a sort of way into the world, because obviously mm -hmm. the rest of the characters are very entrenched within the queer community or the mining community. So it would be difficult to have a, you know, a way in for an audience. One thing I think is really interesting. It's actually I watched this on on Amazon Prime and the first sort of like message that pops up around it is at the beginning, like at point zero of the movie. And it's like, this movie has been criticized for its lack of racial diversity, which to me is really interesting because I, my personal feeling about like biopics and diversity is when you're portraying like real people and it's not a deliberately stylized piece, I don't really feel like within individual movies, changing people's identities to make them in inverted commas more diverse is that useful. And this is at a point at which the UK was over 90% white, the people involved were all white. Like this was this was not something where they were like the movie Stonewall, for example, criticized for like taking out the agency yeah, of, of people of color or or mm. trans people. It was just a thing with with real people that they were portraying. And I think that what's a more useful conversation to have for me personally around any kind of diversity, whether it's about gender or disability or ethnicity or religion, is to actually look at the landscape of of movies as a whole. And be like, okay, whose stories are being chosen to be told? And I feel like this story that's a lot about like working class, very marginalized people in other ways is still worth it and doesn't necessarily lose something as a as a particular film for portraying that story. I think that is valid criticism. But also when it is like I understand the 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 point that when you're telling somebody's biopic, you can't just flip South Wales mm -hmm. to be ethnically diverse because it still ain't, to be completely honest. It does make me think, oh, what were the people of colour, the trans voices like? What were they doing here? Exactly. There is one criticism I have of the movie that maybe we'll leave uh, later. And that's kind of like the way that lesbians are generally portrayed. We will, in the film, we will talk about that later. Don't worry. Which I think could have been better. But it does make me think, oh, where could the camera also be? pointed here that's not to say it's a bad movie or that it is this movie's job to do that but it certainly is a gap that is missing from this time period so mm -hmm. one last thing to say that i think is really interesting and i i bring this up as well i know we just mentioned about people in america and what they think of it so notoriously the u.s dvd cover of this movie edited out all mentions of queerness from the summary and also from the banners like the pride march banners on the cover well bloody hell that anybody buying it in the u.s is in for a surprise aren't they yes. what are they expecting <laughs> so this was what's really interesting right it's like well do you market a film by making it as in inverted commas appealing as possible so people who wouldn't necessarily have thought to pick it up mm -hmm. because of the gay stuff might be kind of pleasantly surprised they might you know oh maybe i wouldn't have watched it if i knew but now i've watched it it's a really good movie but also are they sort of stopping actual queer people from finding this movie because they will mm. be like well i had no idea that's what it was actually about and the director has sort of been very uh try tried to be very polite about it sort of saying that it's like understandable as a strategy but it's also like clumsy and foolish and reductive were the words that he used which i tend to agree with so that's kind of like a it kind of interestingly got more press i think i saw uh, within the us for this weird dvd decision than it necessarily got oh so it was so Excellent. i guess it kind of worked if that was um that was what they were <laughs> in intending. a backhanded sort of way uh, exactly and um, the last thing i want to say just about the genre is um this kind of secondary genre of this biopic is clash of cultures which i think is a very very staple british i mean it's it's a it's a genre in other countries as well but in britain particularly is extremely uh, kind of part of the fabric of of our 
like filmmaking landscape because I think if you look at like Billy Elliot if you look at like Bend It Like Beckham so many of these movies that have a real heart to them are often talking about clashes of class clashes of gender clashes of you know race or ethnicity like it, it really is looking at different people and them coming together in a way that's very positive and uplifting and it's a genre that's like a lot of people's favorite for that kind of reason but they will often not shy away from the more difficult aspects of that as well which I think is something that this this film balances really well which I mm -hmm. guess is a good lead-in to talk about the film itself oh my god look at you you segue queen thank you very much So the first of the three acts that we have in this movie, I have called the party and its aftermath. The party being the party that we have at Pride and then at Gaze the Word. We open with something that is a backbone of this movie, and that is the music, specifically mm -hmm. the protest songs. Solidarity forever. Wow. And the union makes us strong. I thought you were going to say, we open with a backbone of this movie, hating Margaret Thatcher. Because oh, that's also so, how it opens. It is also <laughs> how it opens. Um, and also with a banner saying Thatcher out, hanging yeah. out of um, our protagonist, question mark, mm -hmm. um, Mark's council flat, where he has an epiphany, sees that all of the miners are being uh, beaten by the police or pigs as he calls them in this movie and thinks ah we the gays have not been beaten up by the police in a while it's because they've all been shipped to the coal mines in order to defend the picket lines mm -hmm. and then he's like ah a brainwave and off he goes to gaze the word so you you did a lot of detail on that one scene and then skipped all the way to like five scenes I later. I... Um, I, I just want to say about this scene, what I really appreciated right from the start is I think that there is within media a lot of not very good portrayals of activism. A lot of a lot of the time the activists are particularly there to be a foil to like the good minority. I really like the fact that the first time we see him is this real like so many dualities, right? It's this guy who has just clearly had casual sex with a man he never plans on calling again who's mm. just like i left my number you know just in case you want to call me i felt and so sorry mark for this is just like lad. not interested because he's about to do some politics instead but mm. so he has this really casual mention of his sexuality but he's also clearly really beloved by the kids on the estate mm -hmm. like he comes out and they're like oh can we play later and he's like oh you know it's all right mate like we'll play later and that was really exciting for me to see because it's so aware this movie is always very aware of like all of the different stereotypes and ideas around queerness. And so having this like very open, not at all judge sexuality and have him being very, like it's totally normal for him to just be someone who's like, the kids think is really fun and nice on the estate in the way that does happen when you're growing up in those kind of communities where you have people living around each other was really, really great. Speaking of growing up, we also get introduced to Bromley who oh. is called Bromley based on the area that he grew up. I also grew up in Bromley and therefore have to say he's he's the best character of all time in any piece of media ever. Just from just from <laughs> hometown loyalty. Why have I never called you Bromley? I don't understand. Why yeah, honestly, rude that. that you haven't. Um, and yeah, there's also so. so many Bromley in jokes in this movie. It's really it's great because no one will get them except for people but, from by Bromley. By the way, has gone way. Yeah, over it's my hilarious. Head. The line he has about having to get the last train. If you're from Bromley, that is genuinely <laughs> one of the funniest jokes that's ever been told. But no one else will even clock it as a joke, which is ridiculous. <laughs> But yeah, I just like, 
The solidarity theming in this movie begins from the very beginning, right? Like it comes in from the jump, mm -hmm. talking about wanting to help the miners. Just this like intercommunity banter of like, oh, I'll give the banner to the lesbians. They love a banner. Like this really kind of jokes that you can only make if you're part of the community that feel really mm -hmm. authentic to the kind of like banter that we have, like even on this podcast, like this is... Mm. This is the kind of stuff that we just like, very British as well, to be like, I love you, therefore I'm going to take the mickey out of you. Yeah, exactly. It's how we show love, by the way, listener. And I really appreciate it. She doesn't actually it. hate me. Mm, okay, yeah. well, you know. Uh, uh, but yeah, like we also have this moment with Bromley where he, this mother kind of walks past him and mutters like, oh, disgusting about the, the pride march he's just stumbled into. And he kind of mm -hmm. says like, yeah, <laughs> really awkwardly. And almost, it's like so fucking sad for like one second. And then almost immediately, like we're, as an audience, we're so ready to go on this journey with him of self-discovery. But almost immediately he, he in himself decides that he's just going to go back into the march and, and mm -hmm. be himself and start this journey. Like, yeah, you see the, the flick on his face, right? Yeah, you, you know, we don't have this storyline that's like a coming out storyline where he spends the entire movie waiting to come out and then he's suddenly out. It's like, actually, he does all of this stuff within the movie, within this very particular queer community and the coming out is to external people. And he makes that decision. He's not outed, he's not whatever. Like he makes that decision in that moment. And there's this little bit of power in this particular moment to decide to enter this community, to decide to, mm. he sees the sign saying burn in hell and he starts shouting louder. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated that in a movie that later on we're gonna have an outing for him, mm. that he's still given some agency with an element of his queer identity. I really, really appreciated that. Yeah, I love that. I have a question, because we see him kind of like stumble out of the tube and then the, the pride march is just kind of like happening. Mm -hmm. I don't know, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know if we're ever explicitly told, did he intentionally go to see the Pride Parade? Or was this an accident happenstance? So we're not told it. And I think that, that I also really like that, like we dip into these characters' lives and out again. And there's these moments where we suddenly discover something new about a character. And it's like, oh, these are like fully rounded human beings. And we're just seeing an element of their lives. And we don't necessarily see the rest of it. And this is, I think, one of those examples. Mm -hmm. I don't know which one it is. Like, I think it could be both. It and could be both either. makes sense for his character. And yeah. both are kind of like equally brilliant as kind of like kickoffs of the story. Yeah. So we, we do end up at Gaze the Word after they've had mm -hmm. a nice little art pride after party in which we find out that Bromley isn't legal because he's 20 mm -hmm. and not 21. Because at this time, it was one of the time periods where we had a legal difference between queer people and non-queer people, which was the age of consent mm -hmm. that they're talking about here. And was still, um, there was still a gap until I think 2000 or 2001. Very, very recent. And then we go to Gaze the Word, which is a bookshop which still exists today and that I went to just a few weeks ago and go to all the time and they're probably sick of me by now. If you're ever in London... Dear listeners, go, go to, to Gaze the Word. Go to Gaze the Word. And they're the friendliest oh, staff. The it's like old world. school bookshop. You can go in and ask for a recommendation. There is everything from kind of like, if you're feeling a little bit naughty, the slightly more erotic side of things. Um, but there's also everything from kind of like historical Trust fiction. Trust Jazza to, 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 to go with that, the first recommendation. I am a man with needs in lockdown. Like, don't come for me. Uh, but they have kind of like, basically, if it comes within like spitting distance of queerness it's in there yeah. um or they'll order it in for you mm -hmm. and of course you're supporting a local bookshop as well and it looks exactly the same as it does in the movie here's our that's our indie bookshop plug for this episode <laughs> it, it's just such a delight to see it on screen and and now like 
every time I go there, there are people who are there because of this movie. Like it's it's so wonderful that it's mm-hmm. kind of brought people into that kind of history. And while they're in there, we have this big impassioned speech from Mark. He says, there's been hardly any petrol bombs or swastikas. Is it just me or the police getting soft? They really pull <laughs> no punches in this movie. Mm. But it also is like this kind of joking about serious things. It's very in the spirit of, of kind of marginalized trauma in a lot of ways amongst mm-hmm. your own community that it's like, it's such a a given and then you still have these moments of seriousness. So like only like a few minutes later in the script, you have this guy from Durham who talks about being having the shit kicked out of him on the way to school and on the way back by these like minor people who grew up to be minors. So we're kind of looking at the idea that there's still this different, these differences between the communities, this clash of cultures, and that there might be limits to solidarity, that there might be some hurdles for them to overcome before this all mm-hmm. has a lovely, happy ending. I, I got a prop just before I started filming. Um, so this is the... Oh, you love a prop. This you is stunt a, queen. Uh, this is a book, which is... Ah! the Basically, it's the Pride Companion book signed by members of LGSM <laughs> that I got signed at the launch event at Gaze the Word a few years ago. Oh, wow. You are very cool. I know. Thank you very much. Including, Why are you touching that? I know. Vacuum I need packet. to like vacuum seal it. Incredible work. Mm. But yeah, it's really... So we get introduced to all of our main players and the kind of wider cast, to Gethin and Jonathan, um, who mm-hmm. are the older gay couple. So they're referred to as gay lib as like a bit of a who joke. I'm, yeah, I'm so sorry. They are no older than their mid-30s. I think that that is an absolute slur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love these. God, I love these characters in this bookshop so much. And it's just, I just want to watch it forever. I'm like, please, I just want to watch you. get mm-hmm. Real people slash characters hang out literally forever. Steph, I think, is my favorite character. So she She's is the heavily eye-lined and hair-dude lesbian. And is, is the L in LGSM, which is lesbian and gay mm-hmm. support the minors, which is the group they end up founding after this party. And she just brings cutting sarcasm and like but joy and love to this movie eventually at the end spoiler this whole podcast is a spoiler moving in and kind of like befriending Bromley and being kind of like roommates and best friends there I just wanted to give Steph a big shout out because I think she might be my favorite I love her. Oh, I think it's personally very important to point out that Bromley College is kind of a joke in Bromley. So it was like doubly funny that he was lying and losing his mind mm-hmm. with boredom, going to Bromley College to do catering. Um, just a little Bromley humour, guys. Two words, glossy and wobbly. <laughs> glossy and wobbly. So, so they decide that they're going to raise money for miners somewhere, any miners. None of them have any idea where any miners are, to the point where they get out a phone book. Remember those, children? Mm. Um, uh, uh, no, you probably don't, because they haven't existed for 20 years. Um, and they were flicking through to try and find kind of like a mine to give the money to directly, because they were trying to go through the unions. And as soon as they found out that the organisation that was raising money for them uh, was lesbians and gays support the miners, they were rejecting it or just not getting back to them. So they thought, we're going to bypass that, go straight to the source of the, of the communities, the people who need it. And then uh, Gethin comes in and goes, well, if it's... if I'm Oh, yeah, it, I, I, I saw the panic no, in your eyes it. as you started to attempt a Welsh accent and I was like, don't do well, it, if it's, if it's, uh If it's miners you want, <laughs> it's Wales. <laughs> incredible yeah, work incredible voice work there from Chazza John thank you very much I'm available which is which is yeah fair enough and actually this is like the start of the the storyline that Gethin has all these characters have their own mini storylines and having so many queer characters allows you to have different opinions different backgrounds different ideas different family situations 
which I did really appreciate. So they essentially ring and kind of organize to, to send the money and someone from this mining town is going to come. There are some really great, really funny random asides that if you're not like paying attention, you sort of miss because it's it goes straight from one scene to like a middle of a conversation. So they're all standing outside this cafe waiting for Dai to come. And there's just this exchange, which is maybe we should look more obviously gay. Achievable goals, please, Jeff. <laughs> it's so great from Steph. Um, so Dai comes in and Dai is like an ally from the start. We really have no sort of clash with him. He takes a moment he's to take in the fact. Yes, he's representative from the mining town. And he really takes like one second to to take in the fact that, oh, surprise, it's gays and lesbians. I've only just realized. And then he's totally fine. He's gone to the gay bar. He's doing a speech. He's talking about solidarity. He's making jokes. And I think that that was really a really lovely decision to have this kind of, oh, you know, it's the first gays I've ever met. And they say that you know of. And immediately he's like, yeah, no, that's true. And I, mm -hmm. I, I think it's just such a nice kind of lovely introduction, which we then get. The full-on introduction, as they make their way to Wales to introduce themselves to the the Welsh part of our cast. Oh my god. As we leave this section, mm -hmm. I just want to call out what I think is one of the greatest scenes in cinema ever. Yes, please do. And that is when they call up this South Wales mining community and the phone rings. It is a yellow touch dial phone. And Gwen a short, stout, charming, smiling Welsh lady comes walking out of the kitchen, slowly waddles her way towards the phone and then picks it up. That's it. It lasts so long, that scene. It is, she's it's walking for so long. 40 seconds, <laughs> yeah, of like this slow like little waddle mm -mm. up to the phone. Oh, it's quite beautiful. I would say it's really interesting, like our introduction to the Welsh cast, I only really appreciated this while watching through for like the 80th time that I watched through for this podcast. But they really put Sean in there as a Bromley parallel. She's like the new girl in town suddenly coming into her own, mm. kind of discovering her identity in a slightly different way. And I really, really appreciate the relationship that they kind of have by the end. And we also have this introduction of like, it's not just outward homophobia that might be a problem. It might just be people who aren't kind of courageous enough or brave enough to stand up for other people and and like actually come with their solidarity when it matters because we have mm. uh, her husband who essentially is like yeah obviously we want to be part of this strike we want to be part of the community but you know let's not start inviting lesbians and gays let's not rock the boat and so for him mm -hmm. it's more important that his kind of reputation and his his standing is is protected in the community rather than having solidarity with these other groups and so we have this really interesting uh, exploration of how far are people willing to go that's not just people who are, who are actively homophobic but there are people who just you know don't care enough to have solidarity and we obviously have the um every woman is a lesbian at heart including Reggie's mum scene, which I adore. Reggie's mum is a lesbian canon, it's facts. So now we move on to part two, right? The second section of this movie I am going to call The Party and Its Aftermath, as all of our movies have a party in its aftermath, mm -hmm. and this one has yet another one, which is a party at the coal mining village. Mm. And then there may be, I'm just going to throw this out there now, 
there may be another party and its aftermath. That might even be the title of the third section of this movie. Yeah, yeah, who knows? I will say, honestly, the party and its aftermath is in almost every single movie that we do. There is always a party and... Long, long time listeners of the podcast will know that it's it's I think just a, at this point should be on TV tropes as every gay movie has has a party in its aftermath in some way or another. So at this point, I, I just called this part the gays have arrived in Wales because that's essentially also what's going on. We have the beginning of the extremely important subplot with Gwen trying to ask a question to the lesbians, which mm-hmm. she's not allowed to ask because they assume that she's going to say something <laughs> awfully offensive. So they cut her off. I don't know why, but I, I automatically went to she's going to ask about scissoring. Like I, I Yeah, just that's I think that implied. That's what it was going she's going to gonna ask yeah, some really innocent question about it and then they're going to have to explain to this poor old Welsh lady what it means. I also mm-hmm. really loved in this section where we're getting introduced, as you rewatch it, Cliff's reaction because he is unable to say gays and lesbians. He cannot say the phrase. And you're, it's kind of implied at first, I think, for a lot of people that it's because he's this like elderly Welshman and he's like, you know, trying not to be offensive and all this kind of stuff. And later when you watch it, when you realise, oh, he's a gay man, it's actually this moment of him being overcome with something where he he can't say that he's gay. He can't quite say the words. And it has a totally different meaning as an audience. Mm-hmm. And it's this really, there's a couple of moments that actually get put in there with Cliff's character that are so subtle mm-hmm. that unless you know about it and you do a rewatch, you don't even pick up the first time, which I love. Cliff, who is played by, uh, how do you say? Bill Nye. Is it Bill Nye? Yeah, Bill okay, Nye. thank God. Oh, thank God. And Imelda Staunton who plays Havina. Uh, Havina. What a bloody cast. And then obviously we haven't mentioned Andrew Scott, oh who God. plays Geffen, and uh, Dominic West, who plays Jonathan. And Like, this is just a, an amazing, amazing cast. This cast, like, did not miss. Every single person in this cast is unbelievably good. 100%. Um, including Ben, uh, second name escapes me, who plays Mark, who is American. Uh, who does a, a really unbelievably fantastic... Unbelievably good accent. Northern Irish accent, which is very hard. I can only say Mar and squirrel that's it yeah no the cast is is unbelievable i also enjoyed speaking of mark his awkward jokes absolutely bombing in front of the crowd he gets told to give an impromptu speech and he just sort of he goes through what you can clearly see is this unplanned like he starts trying to do a joke and it doesn't quite work and then he very true to character gets slightly frustrated and it's just like oh for god's sake like one in five of you is statistically gay like can we just right. and and i just love that sort of really in character moment for him in the same in with parity with how die was asked to do a speech at a drag bar in london uh, Mark gets asked to do the same in the coal mining community in the village hall that they have where they drink their pints and do dances and uh, do community things, <laughs> I guess. I grew up in a village. I should know what we do in village <laughs> halls. Um, and I expected him to stomp it. He's charismatic. He's hot. He's got everything going for himself, right? He's got a dangly earring. That came back in like 2020 mm-hmm. with like, down with the kits and he ends up accusing the, accusing a fifth of the people in there of being gay and I'm like oh that's not how you win over a southern mining community Mike mate Di was much better at this than you are Mike come on yeah, or Mark right? even Mike's the other one well they don't talk about great northern Irish orators do they they talk true. about Welsh bit of shade there so this is also the part of the movie where we 
we kind of start to realize that maybe this is, you know, not going to go the way that they hoped. They're all in sleeping bags on Di's living room floor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in the very cute scene where they're all in their individual little little sleeping bags with like the moon and stars lighting them from the window and they're all there like, and we need to leave. Or not they're going to leave. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Go. They're genuinely worried about their safety there because they've been wrapped. I mean, London is hardly a blanket but it's at least a space where they have expectations of how they're going to be treated and whether or not they are safe mm -hmm. whereas out here this is new shit yeah unsure whether or not they can they can do it but they, they did there is this real sense of like courage and standing up for their principles to stay regardless mm -hmm. and then we flash this really lovely scene of them kind of walking out in the in the hills and cliff does some poetry for them which will come back at the end of the movie and i'll talk about that because i cry every time <laughs> and we get introduced to the motif motif of joined hands which mm -hmm. again we have been doing during lockdown since our last episode a lot of watch watch alongs weekly and then monthly watch alongs and almost always it turns out there is a lot of uh, focus on hands in gay movies. Hands are in fact hands gay. Hands are inherently gay, it's confirmed. Confirmed. And so this movie only adds to that trope. So Di talks a little bit about the idea of like this hundred year old banner that they have from this particular village and it has this these two joined hands and it, it essentially it means solidarity. And so we have this motif that links to this theme of solidarity. So obviously we know it's going to come back and be emotionally resonant. And I am so ready for it. It is this, it is this moment that I've written down, um, Sean, the sleeper agent has been activated. Yes. And so the villagers, the Welsh villagers start talking about um, some of the stuff that the police have been doing and the queers know their rights and are like, no, they literally can't do that. That is against the law. They can't keep you for a certain amount of time. They can only arrest you if they have a, a reasonable suspicion of being able to arrest you. And Sean goes right then and then storms down to the police station and gets a load of the young lads who were arrested on the picket line released because the police didn't have any standing and that really resonates with me as kind of like an that is the sharing of resources the sharing mm -hmm. of knowledge and that's why things like unions exist exactly. and should exist and why they are powerful because when you are divided and you don't share this knowledge that is when you are defeated and that is when you are weak and Sean becomes all of a sudden she realizes the injustice that has been affronted to her community and she goes down there and sorts shit out which is a wonderful I mean we've already seen kind of like a rambunctious part of Sean already also can I just say fantastic mullet in this movie. absolutely incredible um, Again, coming back, 2021, mullets, who knew? Right? Oh my God, we've gone full circle. Is it the 80s? Mm -hmm. I bloody hope not. The woman who this character is based on ended up being a member of parliament for Swansea for 10 years between 20, 2005 and 2015. And this is kind of like part of her political activation. When she's spoken about it, she kind of like talks as well of, of how kind of like the strike itself really was like an activation point, point for her too. But I just love this moment of her mm. kind of coming to that political realisation. We have this this moment that I would consider to be a kind of inter-community collaboration moment. And it's almost immediately followed by a sort of intra-community issue between people within the same community because we have this exchange about what's well, essentially respectability politics. The idea of like, we should calm down the flamboyance a bit. We should be less flamboyant. And um, we have Jonathan basically being like, ah, oh, I know this is code for... I should be less me. I should tone the flamboyance. And she, he basically is like, oh, sorry, I haven't spoken 1950s in a while. And we have this mm -hmm. idea of like actually these older gay guys who have had their own struggles in the 50s and like pre 
decriminalization in the UK and all this kind of stuff. And then we have these younger gays who to us are elders now who are going mm. through their own stuff and, and trying to work out a way of, you know, being respected, but still being yourself. I just really like how this movie manages to get so many people's point of view because they have so many different voices, able to voice those things and give them kind of equal weight or give them their own kind of place in the in the story. We see that kind of conflict within the Welsh mining community as well, with Maureen kind of like leading the charge of, you know, we'll call it homophobia, and her encouraging her sons to also be homophobic towards LGSM. But despite that, they continue to kind of like stay there get welcomed into the community. The boys who have been released because Sean went down to the police station, um, one of them goes up to Mark and goes, you'll have a pregnant, Mark, will you? I, I leak from my eyes every time. The solidarity. It's really interesting because Maureen's whole thing is she talks about, you know, you don't want people taking the piss, do you? Your father would never have stood for it. It's a lot about appearances mattering more than solidarity. And I think that's a lot of this idea of like, don't be too flamboyant. Don't be this. It's the idea of like, actually, the material solidarity doesn't matter. It's all about how it looks or how other people will feel about it. And I think that that's like a really it's a it's a really interesting one where you because you're able to sympathize in some ways with this kind of idea of what we have our own battles and we don't want to jeopardize our own battles for this other community like we need to fight ourselves first but like ultimately that's not going to work like everyone has to be uplifted together we basically get a scene where they all start coming together importantly i think through jonathan's flamboyance right this thing that was meant to be tearing them apart and the thing they had to get rid of in order to be accepted is actually the thing, like, you don't have to choose between those things. People can accept you for who you are, and that can be a strength. We love to see it. Once they've joined with the miners, everything's beautiful. They go back to London, and they start kind of collecting money again. And some time passes, and they end up coming back to Wales. And during that very short amount of time that has passed, it's very clear that things have gotten way worse within the village. So it's winter time. Winter time. Now. Gas getting cut off buildings bricked up vehicles broken down lying on the side of the road and we've come back this time the thing that is different is that Gethin's there he's finally decided mm. he's going to come back to Wales after a very heartfelt phone call on the phone with Havina who recognizes his Welsh accent and essentially encourages him to come back to come back home mm. and immediately I'm like wow the waterworks are starting already in this movie mm -hmm. and at this point we do get the bit that you kind of hinted at earlier about the, the lesbians and that we should probably talk about because I do agree that it's probably the weakest element of the film. Yeah, so there's Steph, who is our prime lesbian, and then there is a couple who are also part of LGSM. And they look like they are, they are being framed as being frivolous about the needs of having a women's group for LGSM. And it's clear by the way that it is fielded by Mark's character and by the way that she presents it that is intended to be seen as something that is, oh, we don't need to talk about that. Why are you bring up women's issues uh, in a minor strike, for goodness sake? Just as we have seen the work, the women of the community that they're supporting have been putting in, raising money, putting together food drives, supporting the men, driving them to the picket lines, and later on in a, in a beautiful musical moment of Bread and Roses that we'll come to. I don't know what the movie is trying to tell me here with this with this over... I feel like she's painted as like an overly activist lesbian. Yeah. And I don't get why. It does what I was worried that they would do about the queer activists 
to the to the, like the feminist activists, especially because you're completely right. Having a women's group would actually be very good idea for a community that has been asking women to do unpaid labor for a long time before this. And now they're having mm -hmm. to do even more to support their families as like housewives and mothers. We have this whole storyline with Sean and the fact that she's expected to be a housewife and a mother. And it's very clearly to do with her gender. And they also point out like there's no democratic process. And I'm like, yeah, that's who that probably is quite an issue within a within this mm -hmm. kind of organization. You pr probably shouldn't have it just I know Mark's great, but you probably should have some kind of like structure in place to to deal with this stuff. And it is very much paid off as a joke. I will say that's like my only misstep that I feel like this movie really took was mm. trying to to use this as part of the humor rather than part of the drama bit of the movie didn't kind of work very well for me. I do think that they kind of like they did include some really interesting storylines that were around women in the movie and were around their particular journeys. So it wasn't that this movie was completely devoid of like good female characters or, or good female representation of these real people. It's just when they started to talk about it very explicitly, it became a bit weird. Um, so yes, do do agree with you on that. I will concede of mm -hmm. one of my favorite movies that is indeed a lacking element. We're given that lacking scene, but then we really are given a huge juxtaposition in the musical number of the Welsh women of the village standing up and singing Bread and Roses. And then everyone's standing up and singing Bread and Roses. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we cry. Every time. So Bread and Roses, I won't go too much into it, but it's basically a song about the need for sustenance in bread and dignity in Roses and it's kind of like a lefty song um, has a lot of history internationally as well as well as in the UK I mean also there's kind of like the stereotype of the Welsh singing choir that's and... true I feel like in a lot of other movies this wouldn't have worked but Welsh people as we all know love a sing song so it, it really yeah, this worked, wouldn't itself have worked out. in the minds of <laughs> Kent wouldn't it not so much and this is also like this should be a musical like this this movie is quintessential like in the same way that billy elliot absolutely rocked it as a musical i feel like this is like a billy elliot and everyone's talking about jamie mm -hmm. together are you kidding me it's show stopping <laughs> i would fund it myself if i had any money hey support us on patreon and maybe we will one day there we go we'll we will <laughs> petition everyone involved in this movie to make this into a musical so also in this second section, we have this, this Gethin storyline where he basically mm. decides to go and visit his mum. Again, I think in a more serious movie for them to have basically had Hafina be like, oh, I'm sure your homophobic mum is fine now. Probably would have been a bit like, oh, okay, that seems a bit iffy. But I think because this is by its nature, a very feel good movie where a lot of things end up as good as they possibly could be. And we know later on we have a family, Bromley's family, who are very unsupportive and continue to be unsupportive and are clearly not changing their minds. Having a character who does actually change for the better was kind of a nice, refreshing counterpart to that. Uh, and also mm -hmm. in real life, Gethin's mum, always extremely supportive, apparently. She's super into gay rights and helping her son, which is lovely to hear. That's cute. The, the only thing that I think is, uh, an, again, a lacking thing in this movie is the unrealistic portrayal of the efficiency of travelling from South Wales to North that Wales. That is very true. He, wouldn't, uh, he would not have done that in a morning. No. From Pembrokeshire to Rill is at least a full day's drive. He was just really speeding it down. <laughs> so leading us into our third party, they decide to do the third party after having a brick thrown through their window. I think it's pretty sad, but important to say that like, gay's the word, it's not immune from vandalism within our current times. They have been broken into and, and vandalized even in the last few years. And so this sadly is like not stopped. But 
this brick has some newspaper wrapped around it that describes them as perverts, pits and perverts. Which was a real headline in the mail. It was a real headline. And they basically have this little exchange where Mark says, look, Bromley, this is a classic experience that you will have as a queer person, which is that when someone calls you a name, you take it and you own it. And they use pits and perverts as the title of this big fundraiser that they're going to do to raise money for the miners. And that leads us into part three. The third party... And it's third aftermath. <laughs> so during Pits and Perverts, it's incredible. A lot of it goes through. We don't see much of the actual concert. We see a lot of the montage of the prep. Um, but I do think an important moment to mention within the concert is another hand scene, which is as Di is on stage talking about solidarity and holding hands, Bromley holds hands with a boy for, it's implied, the first time. So he can kiss a, little, he can kiss a boy for the first time. And I cry mm -hmm. my eyes out because there's a lot of different hand-holding that happens in this movie, from solidarity to romance to queerness to friendship. And I thought it was a really beautiful moment that we then immediately go into all of the Welsh ladies wanting to go and see the rubber scene. We love the juxtaposition <laughs> in this movie is fantastic. And while they are out on the town, we have another, I think, really important moment, which is they bump into Russell Tovey and in a mm -hmm. very gay British royalty cameo where he talks about being on his farewell tour. He doesn't say HIV, he doesn't say AIDS, but like we know. The, we know. the movie yeah. has a lot of moments where it gives us a visual or it gives us a hint and it doesn't say explicitly and we understand what it means. And that's one of those moments. It's very beautiful, understated, this very quiet moment. He kisses Mark on the steps and he goes and we know that there's been this tonal shift, that we're going into this the third of the of the movie that's going to start to get to a, to that really dark place where like the worst is yet to come. And that plant, that fear, we see that fear be laden onto Mark from this point onwards, really mm. until kind of like the 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 closing scenes with the last Pride March. That was something that uh, that gay men and and the queer community in general carried around on their backs for decades because of the threat and the fear of HIV. Mm -hmm. And it's a real kind of like. I don't think unless you're paying attention, you'd necessarily notice it, but it's a real change in the actor's performance. It's really great. Absolutely. And then we get to that darkest moment. So the, you know, mm. the traditional bit in the story where you get before you have the big triumphant win, if you're going to have a happy story like this one, you need the moment where everything seems lost. And we get it on both a kind of political and a personal level, because simultaneously we have the personal loss of Bromley's family finding out that he's gay and his mum basically giving this speech where she assumes that he will have a horrible, awful life. And she it's will, so lonely. It's so lonely. Says. Oh, my God. It's again, it's this it's this complete understanding of like where this woman is coming from. If all she's heard about being gay is how awful it is. She's like trying to protect her son. But he's clearly so happy with his friends, with this other family that he's made. And then we also have this political kind of climax happening where Cliff is forced to take the meeting early. Cliff, probably the least qualified person to talk about this stuff in terms of like his own back nervousness. This is back in Wales. Yes, back in Wales, mm -hmm. that the committee is meeting and they've pushed the meeting earlier. And so he, who is very good at quoting other people's poetry, but bless him, very terrible at making speeches for himself, is attempting to make this big speech and unlike Di rising to the occasion, making an incredible speech, he just can't do it. He just, he in that moment, he completely chokes. The queers and the women who've been out in the town aim to make it back for the vote at three. And the vote is to uh, is for whether or not they're going to continue taking money from the LGSM 
group and after all of the bad press that they have had and being bullied in the tabloids they bring it forward three hours and just as the LGSM folks and the women from the village rock up we find out that the committee who were present despite the attempts from Sean's husband and Cliff to pause it or to stop it or to say that it was undemocratic uh, it has been passed and they've decided not to take LGSM's money. And there's this one moment, which again is one of those moments that becomes more poignant when you rewatch this movie. Di says to Mark, don't give it all to the fight, save some for home, there's more to life. Mm-hmm. Which obviously by the end that you know that Mark didn't live more than two years after that moment, mm. like in, in real life, is so sad and so poignant in that moment. And also, again, as you said, the ca- the character of Mark, person Mark, already sort of knowing that potentially this is a much more important statement that isn't going to be like, you know, in in 20, 30 years time when you're still doing this. And so we have this moment of, okay, well, everything that we've been working towards is now dissolving. And in that final awful moment, we get the final, even more awful moment that just takes takes the audience to like the lowest point in the movie, which is Gethin getting gay bashed, mm. which is a very much a sort of traumatic gay trope in a lot of movies. But it's one of those tropes where tropes in general are not inherently bad. It's when they kind of, I personally, I think when they're overused or they're used badly or they're not kind of done in a respectful way. And this was one of those moments that just kind of felt like it was that it had been hinted at throughout the entire movie that actually it's quite dangerous to be a queer person at this point in time especially if you're very outwardly queer especially if you're kind of political they've had bricks thrown through their windows all this kind of stuff it didn't feel like it came from nowhere or for shock value it felt like it was something that these characters were almost expecting and it was just a matter of when i mean there's been a there's been a a drumbeat of homophobic abuse graffiti Mm -hmm. bricks through windows just kind of like even in the background like as they're taking off on the bus for the first time you see gethin scrubbing off faggots on the window and stuff like that and it's not even mentioned because it is assumed that it is normal and so when we see this it isn't a surprise for us i don't think absolutely not and there's also just before it happens these two guy gay guys confront him and say you know there's gay people dying every day of AIDS that's what you should be worried about this idea of actually when the stresses happen that's when the community fractures and people start like trying to look after their own in inverted commas and actually again it's one of those mm-hmm. moments where solidarity is what's needed so we also kind of flash back to Wales at this point in this very sweet little scene where Cliff comes out which I think is delightful oh, my heart. <laughs> and I love it so much it's just really quiet he's just buttering bread bless him and just comes out to Fina and she kind of says that she's sort of known for a long time. Everything then makes sense about the way Cliff's been acting. And And Imelda Staunton, Mm -hmm. she says, I know. And then Cliff says, how long? And she said, well, since 1968. A long time. She's a while. So it's at this point that the strike ends and the Mm -hmm. miners are uh, not Uh, victorious. The miners lost. Yeah. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert, history. history and I, and i think that's really interesting because i think in fiction that probably wouldn't have happened right like if we were making this up from scratch it would be like a big triumphant moment but it's like no no and mark and bromley both for different reasons go back to wales with this kind of last hurrah where the men are going to back to the pits back to work and was a real representation of how a lot of miners did 
return to work. So they are accompanied by the band and they're marched in like soldiers, like、mm. heroes. And across the country, there were Arthur Scargill, who was the head of the Miners' Union, was、um, marched into work with a Scottish piper. What are they called? Bagpipes. Yeah, it's Scottish piper. That's a, that is what they're called. And many wore chrysanthemums on their lapels because that's a a flower that represents heroism and stuff like that. It was a real defining moment for that community. So I think the, one of the important things to talk about just in this next section that we get is essentially like in the hospital with Gethin, we find out that Jonathan. Is HIV positive,、mm -hmm. which again is one of those things that he's clearly known for a long time, and it hasn't come up yet. But it's clearly been something these two men have been dealing with in their relationship, and it is another one of those moments where we realise people have such intricate and detailed lives beyond what we're finding out, like moment to moment in this movie. And he talks about the idea of him being the second person who was diagnosed in、mm. the UK. He's number two, and kind of encouraging Sean to do something with her life. And as we find out at the end, this isn't the bury your gays trope of the gay person giving inspiration to the straight person. Like life is short, I am gay and dead. Like do something with your life, which I really appreciated that there was. They kind of like subverted that trope a little bit and kind of had them both kind of get what they wanted.、Mm -hmm. And we also have the confrontation at Bromley's house. Right, we have this reminder of Gethin's mum comes in and we remember her being really supportive. And then we flash to Bromley's house. Well, that's not what happens. You know, we we see what what real, true, loving family shouldn't do, which is essentially、mm. just reject, reject you,、it. be more,、mm. find appearances more important. And he basically just leaves, has a real sassy ending to his relationship with his family, and goes to this pub. And you see him again. Another moment which didn't need dialogue was just all in the looks. He sees this young man. Who's really nervously sat at this table, like by himself,、mm. and he smiles, and he's clearly remembering, like a year ago, that he was that he was that man, and he's、mm. completely changed and goes to Steph, and, and Steph they, pushes across a pint. It's very, of course, the true the true meaning of solidarity, and they have that scene that I love where they're both lying next to each other, and she says, "If we were normal, this is when we'd kiss," and then they hold hands instead. Which is、mm, our sort of hands are gay, hands are gay, hands are gay. Our third hand-holding moment. This culminates in the following Pride. Yes, we are finally back a year later. Yeah, and we are、uh, LGSM are deciding to march.、Um, everybody is convening on Hyde Park. Which, if anybody has gone to Pride in London, that is, that, I don't think it is anymore. But it used to be where the where the march started, and then you'd march towards Leicester Square and then Parliament. It now does a slightly different route because it's not political anymore. Jazz, I'm obsessed with the fact that we have approximately five minutes to run through the entire this movie. You're like, well, I don't、There's、know a... if it's anymore, but <laughs> earlier it was in Hyde Park. Different route now, of course. It's a it's a different time, and and also okay, fair, okay, okay, okay. Your your point is well made. Your point is well made. <laughs> Oh my god! Where we're we're at, we're at Pride.、Mm -hmm. We're and at Pride, the gays all come together in solidarity. All the friendships are mended. Mark comes, apologizes to Mike. It's beautiful.、Mm. Friendships are important. Romantic relationships are important. The cops continue to be dickheads. All is right、Classic. with the world again. We have this argument about whether it's too political. They want to take the politics out of、uh, out of pride. You have to march、mm -hmm. in the back of the parade if you want to be political. We want a celebration this year. Very twenty twenties. Very twenty twenties. Very every single bloody year we have pride. And Bromley is the one who takes charge this time and basically just says like, what's important is that we march together. We have to be united. And it's like, yes, this is the theme of the movie, Bromley. You state that theme, buddy.、Mm. And as he says that, a van arrives, and we have the immortal line, "Where, Where are, are my, my lesbians?" lesbians? 
I weep. I absolutely weep. Then we have the, and already I'm like, oh, I'm like laughing, I'm crying. And then they hit you with the double whammy of there's too many of you. You'll have to mm -hmm. march at the front. Because the whole miners union in all of their <laughs> vans and coaches have turned up to support because of the amount of money that was raised oh, by LGSM. Absolutely. In solidarity. Balling. And Lee is there too, which I don't think I noticed the first couple of times I watched it. So he's also had a change of heart. Oh, wow. Which we love to oh, see. Yeah, that. he's like the first one off the bus. Good. They do like a slightly longer linger on him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, it's the, it's the guy who was homophobic before. But I yeah. like to think it's like in my head, I'm like, oh, these characters have been existing when we couldn't see them. Cliff would have come out, who is his uncle in yes. like he's yeah. he's like yeah, yeah. related to him so i imagine that that might have informed him kind of having this member of his family as well we love to mm. see it and so this is really like it's not a political victory for either side right like we still mm. have the lack of age of consent and many other things that you know you know, rights we didn't the have. The worst of the HIV crisis is ahead exactly. of us, right? Um, all of the pits are going to close yeah. in the next like 10 to 15 years. By all means, it's not a happy ending, but it is because we have this really beautiful, like uplifting positive ending for the human beings involved and for their relationship and their solidarity and their friendship, which I think is so freaking adorable. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially where it, where the actual story element of this movie ends with everyone getting off the bus, them having to be at the front. It's really moving and beautiful. And then we get, if I ever make it through this movie to this point and haven't cried, the bit that absolutely will have me bawling, which is the classic end of a biopic, mm -hmm, telling mm -hmm. you where everyone is now. And as in this movie, as Billy Bragg plays in the background, it's it just gets me every single time. Before that, actually, we do have Cliff seeing the gay poetry banner. I said that that would come back up. Oh my god! And just like shimmies in. He it's so so beautiful. The idea that he can have this this like wonderful community that he's going to find his people at last. That's the moment that if I haven't cried so far in the movie, I've never got past that point and not cried because I just think it's such a small beautiful moment. So fun fact about this bit on the bridge: actual people involved in LGSM and the miners' strike had cameos in that final scene, including mm -hmm. Reggie and Ray. Gethin, Gethin's mum and Mike. Love that. Which is very sweet. They dress them up in 80s clothes and they got to be in the movie, which is really fun. And we learn about Jonathan, the fact that Jonathan's still alive, mm -hmm. even though he was like the number two on in the UK mm -hmm. of di being diagnosed. And then immediately afterwards, we basically hear about Mark, who mm -hmm. is dead and within Mark dies two years. Two at 26. Years yeah. Significantly younger than both which of us. Even. Burns, how dare you? Yeah, I know. Uh, and then we also get... so. This film ends in political failure, really, mm -hmm. on both sides of the rights of LGBT people and on the side of the, the miners trying to organise and save their livelihoods. But they culminate in political victories far down the lines. Sean, I think, is the embodiment of that Absolutely. as an elected member of parliament for the Labour Party between 2005 and 2015. But we also find out that the Labour Party's support of same-sex marriage was in part voted through on the Labour Party conference floor because of support from the largest miners union, not least because of the support that they've been given through the years of the strike. Solidarity fair. Yeah. And we had and I think it's really significant that the the in the song in the background, it's when the chorus, the choir comes in, the choir starts mm. singing that it talks about the idea of this like block support from the union of mine workers. And then at the end, the last image, our final image of the banner that we finally get to see, the two hands intertwined. 
And I just want to, I don't know if you know about the song that plays over the credits. Uh, and then the union. No, that's the one that plays no? during that part. When the credits start rolling, the first song that comes up is just like a piece of music that is in the movie. The second song that plays at the end is actually a song called For a Friend that was written for Mark Ashton by two of his friends. And it is beautiful. And it has these lines that, again, I'm like, I'm going to try and read out, but I genuinely might start crying. I've never cried the way I cried over you as I put down the telephone and the world, it carried on somewhere else. Someone else is crying too. Another man has lost a friend. I bet he feels the same way I do. And it's this stunning, beautiful piece that they were able to use for the for the ending, specifically for Mark, who was someone who was just so seemingly loved by the community and mm. adored and like had such a shining life ahead of him. That was like so, so many marks. kind of tragically taken away as so many like young, young men, young people were at the time. And so that that was pride like a this is this movie. It's it's a mix of like heartbreak and, and solidarity and joy and history and like mm. comedy and like all of the things that, that it's all I loved. of the things, isn't it? It was beautiful. You know what it isn't, though? It's not a horror movie. That is true. And therefore you liked it for that very specific exactly. reason as someone who mm -hmm. hates all horror. So now we've literally gone over like absolutely everything about this movie, its context, mm. it's how we felt about it, some scenes. It is in fact time to do the rating. Our rating, the way that we it works is that we pick how many stripes of the rainbow flag we think this would have gotten and also which stripes it would have gotten, which colours kind of based on the, mm -hmm. the meanings behind those colours because mm -hmm. in case you didn't know, they all have meanings. I mean, it's no secret, I'm giving it a six. I, I don't know what to tell you. It's getting every single colour of the rainbow flag. I adore this movie. And I'm going to give it, going to give it all of them. Um, surprise, surprise. This is a really boring review section. Uh, not a review section, but a, a, a rating section. Also six. Really, really brilliant. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple. And yes, I did have to bring that up. I had to Google that <laughs> in order to remember what six colours were in the pride flag. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's not really much else to say in terms of the ratings. Like, there's no controversy there. We really love this movie, mm -hmm. and I'm sure everyone else who's watched it is um, also as enamoured with it as we are. We had we had so many notes for this movie that we couldn't even read all of them. I could talk about this movie forever and ever and ever, but sadly we can't because you know you have other things to do with your life, listener. You only have a certain amount of time to listen to this podcast, and it's almost over. <laughs> I think the only thing we need to say is is it's a nice little close to let you know where you can find us on the internet if you want to chat yeah. to us about gay things, all of, the, all of that good stuff that, that we do at the end of podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter to keep up to date with everything podcast related. If you feel entertained, please do think about supporting us over on Patreon. Our patrons really do allow us to put in the hours of research and recording that goes into these episodes. So sincerely, thank you. One of our perks on Patreon is a queer movie watch-along every last Saturday of the month exclusively for our patrons hosted on our Discord. Gay fun really is had by all, so come join us. The Queer Movie Podcast is edited by Julia Shafini. We're also part of Multitude Productions, so make sure you check out all of their other awesome podcasts full of both fun and frivolity. Make sure you follow and subscribe to this here podcast so that you are primed for our next episode. Thank you very much, my darlings. You will hear us very soon. Toodaloo. Uh, bye. Bye.